Classic Play on the BizTalk 518 podcast. I'm your host, Leo Quinn. My guest today is Dr. Joe Gullius of Northeast Spine and Wellness. Now, I've known Dr. Joe for a few years, but I didn't know that for a short time in high school, he had a classmate who ended up being extremely famous. You can listen to Dr. Joe tell that story right now. Dr. Joe, tell us about Northeast Spine and Wellness. Northeast Spine and Wellness grew out of um, the idea of having a chiropractic practice, which would be a little bit more uh, a holistic approach, everything non-drug, non-surgical. Um, started in 1988. Um, always here in Clifton Park? Yeah, always. Always in Clifton Park. Yep, that was our, my wife and I are both graduates of Skidmore College, mm-hmm. and we actually got married. Um, one week after graduation from Skidmore. Wow. Um, we went down to, Lo- to Long Island, which at that time was where the New York Chiropractic College was. And um, we spent the next four years there. The minute we were done, my wife's like, get, get me out of the city, get me out of the <laughs> Come back to the only place I know, which is Saratoga County. And we had actually, we didn't realize at the time, we'd actually taken a blank business card that you get sometimes a blank comes out and you get cards made mm-hmm. we're taking a black business card and we had put in there the chiropractic office in clifton park new york and we didn't know that was going to be the case oh. but we you know we found that many years later but that that was really there like work. a vision board yes exactly. mini vision board exactly okay so um and we literally um came back to the area I actually took a job working for another chiropractor just to kind of do the paperwork because I was still waiting for my licensure. Mm-hmm. All those issues with the state take a long time, right? So I moved up here. I actually had to go back down to Long Island for the graduation ceremony oh. because we got here. It's always around. It was always around Thanksgiving time they did it. Okay. And so I was already moved in here, bought a house, was ready to go. And I bought the house specifically for one reason, for the fact that I'd had... 800 square feet that was designed for an office because I bought it from a, from a uh, uh, optometrist who was retiring mm-hmm. and uh, he um, had that kind of a setup because he was on the other end of his career okay. and ready to to uh, move out and didn't want to make the big trip down to Albany anymore. Sure. You know? So we bought it for that reason and I literally bought the house, the licensure came in and I started working out of the office. In your house? In the house, yeah. Wow. It was a completely separate, 800 square feet, separate entrance the whole nine yards. How long before you moved out of that? It's about five years of doing that. Okay. My, 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 uh, my daughter was born um, just around that year that we bought the house. Uh, so by the time she was like five, her statement was, can't ride my bike in the driveway because the driveway was the parking lot. Right. <laughs> so she said, I'm kicking you out, Dad. And uh, and that's essentially what happened is we okay. we put on some office space and went from there. Great, great. Well, let's go back a bit. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? In uh, born in a, a town called Elizabeth, New Jersey, kind of a more urban area of New Jersey, okay. where all the oil fields and all the oil tanks and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. are. And uh, um, uh, and uh, my my father was very handy. Had a lot of things he could do. And um, although we were born, I was born in Elizabeth. We didn't live there very long. We moved right to a home, a new new division, subdivision, whatever. And um, he basically took this house that we had. And interestingly enough, 
many, many years ago, right? Finances. It wasn't even called a mortgage back then. I think uh, you took a loan for like eight thousand dollars okay. to buy a house, right? Um, and uh, my, my uh, you know, we lived in that in that home, uh, and I went to high school in a uh, um, uh, kind of like a you know an all boys uh, you know college prep school. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got out of there, I was courted by a couple of different colleges. Uh, mostly smaller colleges based on your based on your SATs, mm-hmm. and one of the schools that courted me was a place called Skidmore, and they had said, "Well, we're ten to one female." I said, hey, <laughs> "That is the place for me." Now you mentioned your SAT. That's funny. I, I, this is a funny question. I'm going to add to my podcast now. What did you get on your SATs? Do you remember? <laughs> I got a 1090. If anybody's listening. Yeah. <laughs> To be honest with you, I, I think I got it probably around there. I remember a friend who who actually at that time, I think had scored like a perfect score. Wow, 1,600 back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think he went on to Yale or something like that. Okay. But, uh, uh, and for me, I remember, I'll never forget, it was a, a very, taking the SATs, it was a rainy day, and I had already had um, a... Um, I had my own car and I drove to the the SAT center and I kind of broke down Mm -hmm. and it was raining cats and dogs and I had to like, you know, run back and luckily I wasn't too far from home and get, get my, I think I took my mom's car and so I walked in late and I was like, oh man, I'm just messed up from day one. But I was, so I was happy with the, whatever it was, it was maybe like a 1050 or something. (laughs) Uh, But to me, it was also interesting because some of my, you know, some of my, the other students in the school, um, who were probably pretty bright, uh, but didn't do so well in the SATs. And I was like, hey, I did better than them. And then there were some people who just were just, it was just known. They were going to, they were scoring the bottom of the, of the class and they did pretty well in the SATs. So, okay. you know, uh, interesting enough, but also, you know, you learn things right away. And, I, and my issue was that if there was going to be some standardized testing and stuff, it wasn't all that was there. So, mm-hmm. and, and I guess some, you know, some colleges at that time really weren't looking at them too heavily, uh, but they offered me a partial scholarship. So I was okay. like, well, that's where I'm going. What, what was it back growing up in New Jersey? What was your first job? Helping your dad around, I think. Oh, first yeah, definitely. Job. Before I could even, yeah, definitely yeah. helped my dad and go into places. And, uh, uh, but my first job, and I think, what was it, like 15, 16, you actually get working papers. Mm-hmm. My first job was to work in a hospital. Really? Yeah. So I worked in a hospital as back in those days it would call it an orderly. Okay. And it was great for me. And interestingly enough, consideration of today's society and the idea of washing your hands and germs and everything else, day one, class one for being an orderly was how to properly wash your hands. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yep. How how long? Tell us. How well, long no, I just that, you know you had to go through a process and you had to um, like you see a surgeon go in and kind of hit the thing with the elbows. Yeah, you couldn't yeah, touch yeah. it, at, you know. And so you had those long handled uh, hot and cold, yeah, and you would yeah. have to turn them on. You could turn them on with your hands, but then when you started washing, you had to go through a process to kind of really get everything going. And again, spend a good ten minutes, and you had to go up the elbow just like they taught surgeons wow. to do. Okay. Um, um, and then you, uh, once you finished and you, wa- you, you kind of washed up the, got the soap off then, mm-hmm. then you could, you had to do the technique with your elbows to yeah, turn yeah. it off and you couldn't touch anything. I mean, back then, I mean, this was 19, 
you know, what was it, 70, you know, 74, something like that, whatever it was. Okay. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, it was like, don't put touch on the handles. And, you know, these you read reports all the time. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. the worst place is the, is the handle. Forget the, you know, the handle on the door or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. And you had to take a paper pet towel, the old-fashioned paper towel dispensers, yeah. grab the paper towel and grab the door handle on the way out with those issues. Yes, those are okay. all the things that, that I learned. Why do, you, why do you choose working in a, a hospital? Most people will get an ice cream stand or a restaurant or... You know, I, I had an idea, and I did not want to work, in a, and everywhere goes in the food service. Yeah, okay. Um, and later on, I did some food service stuff, washing dishes and stuff, but yeah. that seems to be a rite of passage for a lot of people, right, yeah. to go in the food service. But um, I, I think I had, my dad had a contact, and they were looking for orderlies. And I have to remember, at that time, there was no such thing as male nurses. Mm -hmm. So... And you weren't going to work the day shift, you were working the night shift. Okay. So, in a you know, 500-bed hospital, there were maybe two guys, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe one. And I was the one. Yeah. And you worked as an EMT in Syracuse, Yes, I also, yeah. yeah. One of the things, well, the interesting thing that happened the very first day of school, you're starting to, classes having started, you're meeting some people in the dorms. And basically, a young woman, uh, well, you know, again, probably had a drink or something and, or whatever, had a little issue with, and we didn't know at the time, but was a diabetic. So she goes into diabetic coma. So she just kind of falls over. And at that time, I didn't. I worked in the hospital, so I had a little bit of knowledge, but I still really yeah. wasn't. I was the orderly. Yeah, know, yeah. I was just told, here, do this, do that. And um, basically, uh, we went through the process of contacting security, and the, and the ambulance attendants came. And by the time they left, I said to myself, um, you know, I'm not sure if that was that really went as well as it could have, not just for me, but but even for the for the for everybody, and maybe mm -hmm. we can do a better job of that. So that that next day, I went to the local emergency squad and I, I signed up. They were volunteers. Okay. And then I went back to Skidmore and I started talking about how I could get the courses I needed to become a state certified EMT. Mm -hmm. And I actually enrolled some other friends who were who I who had met. They weren't necessary. I was healthcare. I was in healthcare in terms of the the science, but mm -hmm. um, the other ones were friends who were doing business or whatever else they were studying. But they kind of got into it too. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the honest truth is, is it's uh, it's exciting, you know, yeah. lights and sirens and, and telling you you're going to be in, you're certified to do something, you know, when you're 19 years old, that's a fantastic yeah. place to be. And so, yeah, so we did that. And then before long, I had a whole crew of Skidmore people who were working and the people in town were happy to have us because they could actually go home and otherwise they had to stay in the station and sleep. Okay. And um, they, you know, they were, you know, housewives and everything else. So we kind of took over the evenings. And um, and then of course, um, you know, you also need some strong-bodied people to get people off the third floor when there's no elevator. Right. And a lot of those people were were getting older at that time. I don't consider too old since I'm that age now, but you know, they're they're uh, they were getting older, and uh, some of them also were not even they were trained, but they didn't necessarily all have EMTs. They didn't have that yeah. certification yet. So we all came in. All of us were EMTs, and all us were very well trained and we had a, a, a gentleman who was very involved with the training of EMTs in New York State who by the way uh, he is still in the area and still 
doing work and he basically kind of took us under the wing and, and prompted us to go for more training and do other things and, mm-hmm. and it was helpful for him because he was like the training director of the of the program yeah so and we uh, after a while all had pagers and pagers there wasn't a cell phone right right and we would get calls and then after a while we had a uh, a knock on the door of, of my dorm room from the director of security and mm-hmm. to me I was like that can't be good <laughs> but it turns out what he said he said look I want you and your your crew your guys to be readily available I need your I mean again I need pager numbers I want to know where you are on campus I want to know where you are what classes you take where your class schedule is um, where you're at because if I need um, an EMT if I need somebody on campus is a crisis I, I want one of you guys I want you know I want help I need you guys there yeah, I yeah. need to know my security staff yeah. um, and from there began a situation which took a long time to really build but after a while uh, and of course we got some privileges like you can park in certain places on campus we had some parking tickets and mm-hmm. parking uh, stickers whatever and then when things would go on on the campus on the weekends whatever we were really yeah. available not just for the town but also as a issue for the for the uh, for the campus okay wow very nice it was it was exciting stuff so it's quite a switch though from that sort of medical stuff to chiropractic how did you get make that switch that was easy because um you know i realized the hours and again i was young so who cares i can go with two hours of sleep right yeah, yeah. but i also realized too that eh, you know maybe as an emt the, the the next level would have been a paramedic that wasn't even invented yet they didn't mm. have it yet but i realized that it was a lot of hours, not a lot of remuneration in far, as far as money. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had in the back of my mind, moving towards a holistic approach. And this is what, definitely not holistic. Yeah. But um, uh, the other thing was is that I, I realized that the things I learned could be carried over. And that was mostly interaction with people. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, when I have a new chiropractor that might come into town and want to talk about what they're going to do, what their next step is going to be, whoever it's going to be, we always talk about the fact that, you know, school preps you for all the science and everything else, but nobody really tells you how to really interact with that human nature issue. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the tricky part, right? For, right. Any, for any business, right? right? Absolutely. So, so, so that is, interaction with people when they're at their worst is what allowed me to um, I think have that ability to, to see people where they are and even in my industry right now people are hurting they're going on their health journey they're not getting the help they will need they, they've seen a couple of medical doctors and uh, you know I always kid like well you saw a medical doctor you saw a massage therapist you saw a voodoo priestess yeah, right and uh, and they're like still didn't get the right answers so, you have any recommendations for voodoo priestesses yeah, yeah. in the area, <laughs> the dot com we could visit. There, there was like no, that. there was no insurance for that. You know, so <laughs> it didn't; those things didn't fizzle. But, but the fact is, is that that was, I think, helpful to, very helpful to me to be able to move into that arena. And when it came time, when I was in chiropractic college, I had to take some of those courses again, like first aid and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and evaluation of a patient. I already been doing that stuff for years. Right, right. You know, and I even. You know, sometimes even when you're home, so to speak, my home, Saratoga, working here, you kind of get too comfortable some things. So I actually spent some time back in New Jersey, and I went with a friend of mine who was a childhood friend who was a cop, and he also was involved with EMS down there. Mm -hmm. And this was more urban stuff, you know. 
um, more chaotic, um, less hands, less hands to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was we did that for I did that for a while just to get kind of could get the experience and see the other sides of what was going on. Sure. And again, it was it's it's not the science of what you're doing; it's the people you're interacting with and knowing how to yeah. do that effectively. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, tell us more about Northeast Spine and Wellness. Um, someone asked me the day. At the age of 57, when I was going to retire, and I said, "Why do I want to retire? Um, the office is my uh, is my living retirement. I have, uh, you know, running uh, two offices. Uh, what we call holistic approaches to health, non-drug, non-surgical. Uh, I'm a chiropractor, so that's obviously everything we look at is structural first, mm-hmm. but we also look at what else can go wrong? So obviously you can fall, hurt yourself, structural issues, trip, get a sprain, whatever. Again, structural issue. You can also have an issue where maybe you are um, not eating correctly and maybe there's some nutrient or mineral you're not getting it. Maybe there's a medication that's actually creating a, a deficiency of something like mm-hmm. zinc or something that people usually don't think about. Um, so that's a metabolic problem. So those are things we also, uh, over the years, learn to address as part of that because nobody's really addressing it. Mm-hmm. And the third part and the part that I learned from being an EMT is that emotional side. What else is going on in this? you got a symptom, you got a problem, but what else are you dealing with? Right. Well, I'm putting my mother in the nursing home, you know, um, dealing with a child at home who's, uh, you know, uh, doesn't have a long life expectancy and will probably not survive me. So those emotional issues or I'm going through a divorce, that only... Um, brings on more pain, more issues that you have to deal with. And it's not going to be solved by, by a pill. Yeah, yeah. So we realize that that's the, that's the approach we've developed and that's the approach we take. Um, and uh, although this is the 32nd year of practice, I still say, hey, you know, it's, uh, it, it's fun. Keep, keep it going. we got more to do. 32 years of practice. You think you would have figured it out by now? Well, I know. That's, that's the joke, right? <laughs> and you have products, too, I see. You brought up some... Yeah, we brought some bars today from... For, when I first entered, uh, before I went to chiro- chiropractic college, I ran into a gentleman who was a representative for this company out of Wisconsin. They started in 1929. Their founder uh, since passed away, but he was a bright guy. He was a dentist, actually, by background, and he understand that concept of the metabolic problems, getting the missing nutrients. His grandson still runs the company today, and uh, I've been working with them for all these years. Did you say the name of the standard process? Standard process. Okay. Uh, yep, Wisconsin. They're based in Wisconsin. Yep. And they, have, what kind of products do they have? Candy bars, obviously. Uh, no, no. Well, they, we well, don't these, call them candy Yeah, bars. we don't call them candy bars. No, these, are, okay. these are truly protein bars, um, and um, the kind of thing these that I have here today can be a snack that you just throw one in your car. In your car throw one in your back sack, you know, your, your knapsack, and take off your bike. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of it is whole food supplementation. When you buy vitamin A in the store, it's just vitamin A. It's isolated. It's a chemical issue. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what we're looking for is what are all the parts that make it work? Well, I guess we'll talk more about standard process. Sure. They, yep. We have the protein bars. What other products do they have? Um, most of their issue is uh, is the whole food, and you want to look at 
the fact that probably, that's unfortunate, but 80% of the stuff that you see out there, vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, is what we know, people hear about it, mm -hmm. but the reality is they're just pieces and you don't get the whole food. You don't get the pieces that make it work. Okay. I always use the, uh, the scenario, if I took a pen that had a cap on it and I took the cap off and gave you the cap, because you, you're asking for a pen, you're like, well, what are you doing here? I can't, uh -huh. you get, you, you don't have the, you have the, the, the useful part. Yep. I mean, that's right. Nutrition is all about all the pieces to make it work. Mm -hmm. So um, sometimes people will say, and the common one is, oh, I need B12. My doctor said I need B12. Well, maybe it's not B12 you need, but you need the folic acid to make that B12 work. Oh. So when you, we look at laboratory um, results, we find, oh, B12 is high. Well, mm -hmm. some people actually do have a gene where they can't process the B12. Mm -hmm. So they need to get the other parts. But, but for a lot of people, they're missing and they have all the caps, but they don't have the pens. Mm -hmm. And that's true of any of those vitamins. So the big piece is that what we utilize and what uh, Dr. Royal Lee was his name. He was the founder of Standard Process. He understood this idea way before anybody understood what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. He's probably one of those guys that was before his time. Mm -hmm. And was probably ridiculed by the, I know he was, by the scientific community. Sure. And you also realize, though, that medical doctors at that time were... I mean, drugs weren't really, when were antibiotics invented? You know, they weren't even around yet, hmm. okay? But at the same time, medicine was in an open situation where a lot of things were happening, and he tried to bring that to medicine, uh, or we'll say establish medicine, and they were like, you're crazy, it's not working. So he went to chiropractors, basically. And remember, chiropractic um, was really, if you will, invented in 1895. Mm -hmm. So it's been around a lot longer than antibiotics. Right. Okay. It's just that I always say to people, antibiotics and drug industry itself has a bigger budget for public relations. Mm -hmm. oh, there you so, go. Right? <laughs> so now the thing about center process, too, you will not see them on a, in a store in Walmart. Mm -hmm. You will not see a big billboard about them because their idea is, look, we don't want it in everybody's hands. We want it to be used effectively. And we don't want someone to come back and say, again, you, you gave me a bad pen because all I got the, is the cap. Right? Mm -hmm. So they're a kind of company that's been around a long time. They're worldwide. A number of years they hooked up with a group out of Australia, which is MediHerb. Mm -hmm. And basically they are right now um, you know, really dominating. I think they're dominating the, the whole food market. Now the vitamin market is very big and a lot of it is useless. And here in the States, guess what we get? We get a lot of the useless stuff. Mm -hmm. Other services, products here, other services other than chiropractor, what do you do here? Yeah. Well, basically, again, we do it in that phase. There's always structural, so that includes the chiropractic issue. But we also do uh, a program where we look at someone's structure and understand that structure includes you know, how you walk, so your gait analysis. So we have a scanner to do an analysis of where someone's, how they're planting their feet, mm -hmm. and then what that looks like. So if someone comes in, for example, a patient who just came in, she's pregnant. The protocol is you don't x-ray her, mm -hmm. okay, but we want to see what's going on. You do a scan so you just get some idea about where she is and what's going on, just like we're looking at a building inspector looking at a building. Okay. Right? And that's, again, tough for people to understand because structural issues may not have pain. They're ju you're just the leaning tower pizza. Right, right. Right. Um, later on, they could develop pain. Later on, you can develop other problems. Scoliosis, okay? People understand the fact that scoliosis is a curvature of the spine. It's not the curvature you want to have. But again, it, it may look 
kind of crazy, but it's not necessarily a painful issue. Mm. Um, and many times people go on without it ever hitting the surface, so to speak. Right, right. But that's why you look ahead, and you don't want to deal with a case of scoliosis right up front. You want to deal with it, um, you know, as soon as you see it happening and start to di divert it. All right. Um, so the structural piece is a big part, and that's where things come in, like we do the scans. Uh, then we can also look at adding things like uh, a process of doing a custom-made orthotic, mm -hmm. which, again, if somebody has a lot of arthritis or older, or maybe even a child who was born with some congenital issues as a, you know, as a youngster, they may need an orthotic because normal walking is a difficult thing for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to create arthritis down the road. The nutritional evaluations, uh, and we utilize things, whether it be um, a process of a simple form that people give us some information about, like, what bothers you? Well, it, uh, after I eat, I get a tummy pain or something, or after I uh, I eat, I burp too much, or, or maybe I can't sleep, and I'm, but are you sleeping and then getting up and then come back to sleep, or is it you just can't fall asleep in the beginning? Mm -hmm. um, does it hurt when I go up the stairs on my knee or when I go down the stairs? All those little questions questions oh. are important to really get to the diagnosis and although um, in the days of uh, you know sci-fi movies that might say I just put a little device next to you and I know exactly what's going on it's not that way hmm. and we really have to be detectives now the problem is in today's modern society of you know fast-paced everything gets microwaved and we got the answer in 30 seconds or less all right you're not going to get that and if a doctor's can say well you have arthritis that's his guess he needs to there's a protocol what do you how do you determine arthritis you have to look at an x-ray yep and a lot of people just get to oh, i have arthritis how do you know that and i have to i have to also question people the labels they're giving themselves why do they say that mm -hmm. who told them that maybe they're wrong all right mm -hmm. And the, I think also the idea of, we all can understand the idea of a placebo. Placebo is something where I give you the sugar pill and I tell you, Leo, this is the best thing since sliced bread. It's going to be really good. It's going to solve all your pain. If I, if I can sell it to you that way, you may believe you, believe it and, and it really does it work, right? Yeah. And that concept mm. came out of World War II. All the, the guys on the beaches uh, in Normandy, and they were running out of the morphine, and they had to start talking about that. And, of course, there have been plenty of TV shows that probably use that as an episode. Mm -hmm. But that really started back then. So they told them they were giving them morphine and they really weren't? Is that the deal? Right. Oh, okay. Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because there was too many of them, and yeah, they didn't yeah. have enough, you know? Okay. Uh, and half of them probably got shot up or got dumped over in the water when they were, you know. Yes, you know, yeah. Those are some of that when those concepts were first thought about and used because they had to really use their ingenuity. Okay. All right. Um, the third piece of it and the analysis that we do is we do sit down with people and we know and every medical physician knows this except they don't really have the time to do it is you have to do a sit down um, and really find out what's going on like who's your brother Who's your mother? What is she dealing with? Okay. And it's not that you're being nosy, but the more you know, the better we can make a, a bona fide diagnosis and a real diagnosis. So many people get told those things, as I said, oh, you're, you're a heart patient. Mm -hmm. So you carry that label around like the scarlet letter. In the end, I say to people, who told you that? Why do you do that? What? Well, I went to the cardiologist and he said, I'm a heart patient. And he's like, I'm like, well, 
just understand, cardiologist means heart, and he's a heart doctor. So if you're if you're in his little tribe there, yeah, you're. I guess he would call. It, but that I don't want you to buy into that. Why do you wear that around your neck? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, your heart may have some issues. It may not be working as well. But when you say a heart patient, you conjure up this idea about somebody who's really not doing well. The work that we're doing at Northeast Spine and Wellness is about also about longevity what's the best possible scenario don't get freaked out let's really look at the facts let's look at the numbers not get emotional okay although you know it's tough not to get emotional um, but the fact is, is you, you can look at situation with a clear head with some knowledge and make a better decision about what those tr- uh, ways you're going to approach life ways you're going to approach your health and right now longevity is an important issue because in the United States we're starting to lose that we're, we're finding that the current generation that's there now is is not going to live as long than maybe our generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the sad news because before yeah. we were our, all generations were living longer and longer and longer. Sure, sure. Okay. So, but one of the other issues is I talk to people about this all the time. When you were a kid, I know when I was a kid, you kind of played in the dirt a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now everything is so aseptic and this idea of antimicrobial soap and everything else. And we found out, oops, that's not really the answer because that all that antimicrobial uh, soap takes the layer off that protects you from the germs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, the company that was selling it was really trying to say, hey, we're, we're, we're such hot stuff. We're going to make a, we're going to send some doctors to go research this thing and we're going to prove that we're the best things in sliced bread. Oops, the, the scientists came back and said, well, actually what you're doing is your, your product is taking the outer layer of protection off the skin and you're actually leaving yourself more exposed. Wow. But it was too late because it's already part of the protocol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's already part of the scenario in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Simple soap and water, okay, basic stuff. Because no matter what the vi- you bring at the viruses, they're like, no problem. We've been around longer than you. We'll come back with something else. Good, good. Well, let's get back to the easy questions. The, oh, there's easy questions? Yes. If you could have dinner with any three people, alive or dead, who would they be and why? I think that, uh, for one thing, I would love to have uh, dinner with a gentleman by the name of David Palmer, D.D. Palmer. He was the, if you will, what we consider the inventor of chiropractic back mm-hmm. in 1895. Okay. Um, and um, the, uh, you know, the, the second um, person I would want to uh, uh, sit down with would be... Uh, a past president, well, somebody like somebody like maybe a Teddy Roosevelt, okay. you know, who had a lot of ideas about different things, um, a different time, uh, you know, of, than it is now. But just like to know the history, what was going on, um, and, and maybe even more exciting, if not Teddy Roosevelt, then maybe uh, you know uh, the the uh, a JFK during the missile crisis or those mm-hmm. kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe FDR, uh, for, for World War Two, those mm-hmm. kind of issues. I okay. think that that that's exciting stuff, and I do have an interest in what went on, what was the decisions, what were the people that. I mean, now we look at things, and everybody's like, "Well, you did it wrong," or well, well, you take the information that you have, you're given at that time, and somebody has to make the final decision. Right, right, right. And the one of the things that I think that, again, for me, having lost my dad, I um, didn't have a lot of people to ask questions 
I had to say, okay, this is what I got. Got to make a decision. There's not going to be a right or wrong answer. It's going to be the answer that I come up with at that moment. That's the best I can do. Mm-hmm. As opposed to people being frozen in that. Right, right. right. And then the third person, uh, if uh, and someday we'll get to get back to that, but the third person will be my dad himself. I know? was going to say, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I've got a question. How about a favorite restaurant in the area? Yeah. Leo, you know me too well. Uh, my wife and I do enjoy dinner out. We enjoy listening to music. Um, and uh, right now, uh, of course, uh, uh, my favorite place is uh, in the one of my favorite places in the city of Saratoga is Panda's Restaurant on Broadway. And, okay. and definitely it's atmosphere, it's good food, good people. Good. How about a favorite vacation spot? Uh, my wife and I uh, really enjoyed or the time we were out in St. Lucia, which mm-hmm. is uh, a little farther out uh, from the from the islands. Um, and uh, it was just a real. We didn't take a cruise; we just flew out there. Uh, sandals type resort, all inclusive. Um, that was one of the best. But actually, the very, very, uh, if you will, most spiritual trip I ever took was not really a vacation. Was the trip to West Africa that my, my daughter was working out there? Oh. And and uh, my wife was like, I'm like, we're going to Africa. She's like, huh? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but we. Uh, made the trip, saw some interesting things, and uh, some very interesting people, and it truly was, it wasn't really a vacation issue, per se, like I said, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was an important trip to make in, in my uh, my lifetime. Makes you appreciate what we have here. Absolutely. I know that's why my daughter was drawn to that. That's why she went out there and spent some time there, because it's just that. She grew up in, in you know, suburban area at Clifton Park, and mm-hmm. decided she needed to see what the rest of the world was doing, and, uh, you know, that's... Uh, I think a lot of people should do that. Uh, well, this next question is inspired by David Letterman. Brushes uh-oh. with greatness. I know what you're going to say, so this is a really interesting one. So, <laughs> famous people you've run into or had experience with, or uh, well, you know, for, uh, we did talk. You and I did talk about this. Otherwise, uh, one was in as in high school, and uh, you know, uh, very famous r- rocker to be able to sit in fr- in front of me in the English lit class. And um, uh, I didn't even realize it. And, of course, uh, he probably hit it big probably only seven or eight years after high school, but Bon Jovi. And, uh, you know, be, and when someday when he listens to this, I hope I get some tickets. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, he was in New Jersey, and his mother moved to New Jersey to get away from all the uh, what she thought was craziness in Chicago. And uh, so he spent some time. He didn't really fit into the process there. Because uh, it was, you know, it was an all-male uh, prep school, and he was like, "Hey, I'm in a band. I want to do that." Um, and you know, so I always remind my wife. I said, "If I could, if I, I was, you know, like everybody else, practicing guitar at that time." I said, "If I could have gotten that down, I could have been the guitarist for him." You know. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, but I, but I don't, you know, I don't. Reg- there's no regrets there. High school classmate with John Bon Jovi. Best one so far. All right, there you go. See? <laughs> Uh, finally, give us a recommendation for anything. You've given us some other recommendations, but anything else? A book, a movie, a TV show that you like? Well, you know, actually, uh, there's a couple of things. One is um, in the more recent issue, 
um, is especially if you like history and I was talking about you know having dinner with with a past president or something mm-hmm. uh, is to go see the movie which is the about Midway the Battle of Midway oh it's okay. a brand new movie I yeah brand new it just came out my mm-hmm. wife and I saw it I'm not usually a movie guy I'm not the kind of guy who goes to a theater I'm mm-hmm. still trying to, I'm still outraged at the price <laughs> uh, and now that I'm old enough I can sometimes get in for a senior discount yeah. but they never seem to want to give me a senior discount uh, but um, part and partly because again that was just like I talked about World War II that was just after the bombing of Pearl Harbor which was December 7th this was about June of that year mm-hmm. and it was a situation where this, the country was in bad shape morale was at its lowest the Japanese had bombed the hell out of us we had to rebuild the Navy and um, Midway was was pivotal because we got ingenuity figured it out had some great people behind the scenes and the movie takes you from even before Pearl Harbor to show you what was going on with the naval intelligence issues and how you have to have the right people in there Mm. and you can relate that to the situations that go on today Mm. about you need people that are going to be I'm all for the United States I'm all for America do the right things and also um, make known if you think if you have a hunch if you have an idea you got to bring it up don't just be quiet and hang out in the corner um, and I thought that was a great movie there were a lot of great uh, you know actors in there and um, it's a it's a longer movie um, but you never th- like hey when's this movie gonna end you're like hey I'm into it okay. and I think it gives you a lot of history especially for people that weren't alive um, you know uh, d- during that time, there we we are lucky to have some World War II survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but for people that also never really even studied World War II, it, it's a, it's a great way to look at that whole process. Great. Uh, and one other movie, because it's always in my head. There's a movie that Denzel Washington made a number of years ago, and it was a dark movie. And at first, when my wife uh, and I had heard about it, we almost didn't follow through watching it because when it started, it was a very dark movie. It's about the world after like World War Three, hmm. so it's really kind of Mad Max hmm. kind of concept. Okay, right? um, and it's called The Book of Eli. Oh. I've heard of it, never saw it. Yep, and I recommend all the time people go see it because it's a very dark issue. I won't give away the whole story. Denzel Washington uh, is the main character, um, but the fact is, it's a situation to understand the concept for whether you're for personal or business, and that is to walk by faith. All right. Mm-hmm. To understand that what's in your gut, what what it's it is sometimes that most important, and that's why I use that when I'm being the the quote unquote detective with looking at someone's healthcare issue. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I had to do that when when uh, my father passed and my my mom said, "What do we do now?" I didn't know what to do. You know. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to go in in the United States, go back to an issue, and in the world, go to that piece that you don't look for government or other people to guide you through, but to just understand the answers are not outside, they're inside. And in chiropractic, we use a term, it's called adio, above, down, inside, out. Mm. So one of the biggest problems uh, in medicine is that they look at the outside, they look at, oh, you're wearing a blue sweater? Oh yeah, you need pill, you need a blue pill. You're wearing a green sweater, you need the green pill, right? Mm. The symptoms don't tell you the story, okay? Mm-hmm. The symptoms are there what's left after the disease process came up. And so the book of Eli, when you go through it and you find out what's going on, you realize that 
the main character walk through it, he could have just said screw this I'm not doing this he could have he could have just given in so to speak but he walked by faith not what he saw it looked pretty it's a dark movie mm-hmm. um, and it is a situation where it's it's great because it shows you that process you can go through and even though it is a dark movie it's like a, a, a war movie where they show a lot of blood and guts. People don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's uh, an issue that talks about life. Life isn't always pretty. Um, you know, these days, a lot of young people who are told that everything's going to be great and the government's going to take care of you and you'll all be fine. Uh, but that's not that's not life. That's mm-hmm. really not life. And I really think that the adversities that you follow are also what build you. All right. The, the One of the best motivational speakers probably that's been around in, in, in our lifetime he has since passed but the idea of Wayne Dyer as a as a you know psychologist and um, you know later on um, just uh, how many books did he author um, but he always said that his life his childhood kind of was 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 kind of sucked right mm-hmm. he was in an orphanage right right and when he had to console his brother who was a little bit younger than him in the orphanage and like, hey, someday this will be better. It's going to get better. He said if he didn't have that, he couldn't be the person to help out a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so for me, too, if I didn't go through what I went through, I don't think I could. I, I know I could not have had the experience to really do that with with other people and help other people out, you know, mm-hmm. having gone through that. And I had a good friend of mine who was himself uh, probably his own philosopher, um, but he used to say to me, he said, you don't mind when people throw up on you. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? And I know if my wife uh, at the time, she heard that, she was like, what the heck is he talking about? But I understood what he, I understood later what he was talking about. He's like, it's okay, we can see people at their worst. Mm-hmm. We're not going to judge them on that. We got to help them out during that process, get them to a better situation. So if they throw up, and again, trust me, that happened a number of times in working as an EMT. Yes, yeah. So how do people find Northeast Spine and Wellness? Uh, easy thing to do is you can call the main office, 518-371-4800. You can go to our website, welladjustedforlife.com. Uh, you can go to our Facebook, which is Northeast Spine and Wellness New York. Okay. Um, and I always throw it out there, and I give it out freely. I always have it. Is if you really say that texting is the only way to do it, you can text 518-221-7168, and that'll be a text that comes right in, and we can respond that way as well. Well, perfect. Thank you very much for having me in today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. All right. John Bon Jovi is the brush with greatness to beat. So if you want to be a guest on this podcast or you know someone who should be a guest on this podcast and you also happen to have a great brush with greatness story, be sure to get in touch. Thanks to Dr. Joe for being on the show. Thanks also again to our podcast sponsor, the Referral Department. If you're in business and you want more referrals, contact the referraldepartment.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.